installment of Christmas month on Fanholes podcast. Welcome to Fanholes Toku Thursdays. This will finish off our Christmas month and this is Derek, Derek WC, and I am joined tonight by of course one of my partners in crime, one of my fellow Tokusatsu enthusiasts, and a special Christmas guest has come straight from the North Pole to join us, so why don't you guys give a shout out and let everyone know who's here tonight. This is John, aka Engineer Nerd. Hey guys, this is Tony, and God bless you, John Vanover. God bless us all. Yeah, so we, we are here to talk some tokusatsu, and it again, I, I think I, I mentioned this on the Sentai Saturdays episodes, but I, you know, you'd be surprised at how many options there are to choose from for something that is, you know, uh, Japanese, there there are plenty of options to choose from for special Christmas episodes. And one of the things that I think I know, I, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but I, I, I what I can speak for everybody else is is that uh, we have repeatedly probably bashed Common Rider Ghost on this show in yeah. little outtakes and sides and all that kind of stuff. And uh, our guest, of course, is a huge fan of Common Rider Ghost. And and what I will say for myself is I promised him I would give it a second chance. Like I know I watched the first episode and wasn't too keen on it, and I did promise him I would give it a second chance. So. What I sort of did to get myself motivated to give the show a second chance was I picked episode nine, which, to my knowledge, was, you know, peripherally connected to Christmas. And so that's what we're going to be discussing in the first half of this episode, Common Rider Ghost, episode nine, which has the title of Imposing a Man of Loyalty. And my rationale for doing that for myself, to keep my promise to John, was that I would watch episodes two through eight to get there, which is what I did. So so I, I will say that I've kept my promise to to John to, to give Common Rider Ghost a, a second viewing. There may be some funny stories about that, but I guess I will maybe give a brief synopsis of episode nine, and then I guess we can discuss it and, and also kind of discuss our, our common thoughts on, on Ghost in general and, and kind of go around the, the round table and, and see what's what. My name is Takaru Tenkuchi. I was attacked and killed by a Genma on my 18th birthday. I became Kamen Rider Ghost so I could gather the heroic icons and come back to life. Kamen Rider Spectre was revealed to be my friend Makoto, who had been missing for 10 years. I still need 10 more icons, and I only have 16 days left. Common Rider Ghosts Episode 9's original air date was December 6, 2015. Makoto Fukami, 
also known as Common Rider Spectre, speaks with his sister, Kanan, whose soul is trapped in a Genma icon. She's worried his quest to restore her has changed him, and not for the better. Meanwhile, Takaru Tenkuji confronts the spirit of his dead father, Ryu, asking if his father's research led to the accident which left Makoto and Kanan trapped in the world of Genma. Javel meets the necromancer Aaron as an envoy from his father, the Grand Imperial Majesty Adonis, in order to expedite matters in the earthly realm. Javel insists on serving as Aaron's aide, but Aaron remains unconvinced his help is needed. Next, Takaru decides to ask Seinen about what happened ten years ago, but instead, Seinen tells him the historical tale of Musashibo Benkai, a monk from the Heian period, a troublemaker who changed his ways after meeting Miyamoto Yoshi Sune. From that day, he swore to protect his brother-in-arms. At the same time, the supporting cast at the Daikentu Temple prepare to send out Christmas cards to the clients of Kamen Rider Ghost. Anari Yamanochi grabs Takaru to show him while the other monks, Hachioji and Narita, show the skeptical scientist Akara Tsukimura her own special set of promotional cards. The mini phantasm, Yurin Sen, also joins in the fun. The mailman interrupts them to deliver a mysterious envelope with no return address. It contains a dossier on a missing scientist, Dr. Irigashi. The team suspects Genma involvement and Takaru recognizes not only Dr. Igarashi from an old family photo, but also a Sionji who, up to this point, was a mystery man who also collected icons for his own means. Although it is most certainly a trap, Takaru decides to check it out. We then cut to Sionji, who reflects in flashback on his jealousy and hatred of the great scientist that Ryu Tenkuji was, the Green Dragon Blade Eye Devil, or Sairyuto Genma is instructed to have Takaru follow the trail provided in the dossier. The team goes to investigate the doctor's old lab, which is plagued with rumors of paranormal activity. More signs point to Dr. Igarashi being connected to Takaru's father, and the team hopes to locate the doctor by checking all the locations in the dossier. At one location, they come across the doctor's notebook and a fan that once belonged to the historical figure Benkai. Lurking in the background is the doctor himself, who makes a run for it once he is spotted by Takaru. Takaru gives chase, and the doctor stops once he hears his family name. Before the doctor can reveal anything of importance, the Genma attacks. Takaru then henshins into Kamen Rider Ghost and ultimately drives the Genma off once he takes on his Robin Hood mode. Meanwhile, Eren appears to break bread with Makoto. When Makoto refuses, Javel attacks him, and then when Eren stops him, decides to cease and walk off, leaving him to his own devices. Then the team begin to read the doctor's notebook and discover that he considered Seonji a traitor to their original cause. Takaru again confronts the doctor and asks what happened ten years prior. He tells Takaru Ryu was his only friend, and when he died, all hope was lost. Takaru vows to continue on in his father's place, and this triggers a sense of the familiar for the doctor. 
Just then, the Genma attacks, tossing Takaru around the lab. Just when it looks as if the Genma will deliver a killing stroke to Takaru, Dr. Irigashi steps in the path of the blade and takes the hit for Takaru. As Dr. Irigashi fades away, the next icon is about to be summoned. With Takaru's own icon returned to him by a toss from Inari, he henshins into Kamen Rider Ghost and uses the Benkei icon in the battle. The fight moves out on top the Gojo Bridge, and Makoto arrives declaring, I will have all your icons! Spectre then attacks Ghost, letting the Seiryuto Genma run off. Ghost continues to plead with Spectre to stop his attack, and he will help him with his plight to restore his sister. As Spectre presses his attack for the first time since the series began, Kamen Rider Ghost not only deflects Spectre's attack, but returns the attack twofold and definitively defeats Spectre, knocking him back into his human form. Eren and Javel continue to make preparations, and Sam Oji, with his ugly-ass teeth, maniacally laughs as the final icon has been created, and all is going according to his master plan. We end on Seinen, who looks sternly at the mysterious monolith structure within the Daikentu Temple. So that is the synopsis of the ninth episode, Common Rider Ghost. And I know, as as Tony mentioned before we even started the podcast, we, we had this consternation of, what, what does this really have to do with Christmas? Not a whole hell of a lot. I mean, it's very tangential. It aired in <laughs> December. I, I I think there were some Christmas decorations. Like, I mean, they're 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 sending out Christmas cards. You know, like that's that's the main thing I noticed about it. When they're in the temple, they're trying to get more customers, and there's that little, you know, it's like Christmas Star card, you know, and it's got the little chibi <laughs> ghost, and 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 these monks are sending out sort of advertisement Christmas cards basically for their their ghost services and that's basically the only real connection to christmas so unfortunately there's not a whole hell of a lot of the holiday spirit in this other than maybe takaru you know offering to you know help specter save his sister and you know dude like chill out like i'll totally help you like you know like you know basically you know goodwill toward man but i mean other than that i don't i don't see much of a uh, Christmas connection per se, but I, I guess I'll open it up to you, gentlemen. Like, uh, what what are your thoughts? And and maybe we should just we should start with John because John, I think, is is a proponent of Ghost. Like, you really love Ghost, or you know, I know you 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 have bought like the figure arts for for both Ghost and Spectre, and you've been really uh, a major proponent of this show. So maybe maybe it'd be good to to tell listeners like where you first discovered Ghost and 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 why you enjoy it so much. Well, see, I. I skipped drive because I didn't like the the car thing and the little racetracks going. I I didn't I didn't get it. I, it just didn't sit right with me. So I skipped drive. So I hadn't watched a new series, you know, since Gaim. And, and when this one came out, I thought, okay, I'm gonna give it a try. And it actually had a really good. It reminded me a bit of Gaim in that the early episodes were them trying to find, you know, where in, in Gaim you've got them trying to find the lock seeds here. They're trying to find the icons. It, it had that feel to it. And so I kind of just stuck with it. So I've, I've been watching it right since the beginning. And this is, this is like a turning point kind of in the show. I think, you know, you, you're finally getting to that point where, where Spectre and Ghost are, 
are, are somewhat on the, the same level. So G Ghost is willing to fight him and take him down if he has to, but he wants to help him, you know, find his sister. So, you know, it, it, this is, a, like I said, a turning point in this, and their relationship changes not too long after this. Yeah, I do, I do kind of remember, you know, because I, I, like I said, I did watch the lead in episodes. I mean, I was not, I guess, you know, the, the, we, you know, I know Tony and myself, we have watched Drive. So I think, I think our introduction to Ghost was kind of like a totally random character poking their head into something we were already enjoying, if that makes any sense. So like, it was kind of off-putting, like, cause you're, you know, we're watching our thing with our little cars and our racetracks and we're, we're into our storyline that's at the very tail end and it's really ramping up and everything. And then sort of out of nowhere, it's like, you know, this guy's like, I'm chasing ghosts, you know, and you're just like, what, go, go, what? go, ghost. <laughs> yeah. You were, yeah. you were kind of like, what's going on? So, so there was that kind of introduction to the character, which I guess, you know, they have to, they have to sort of pass the torch or, or, or give a little cameo to them. But I mean, it really seemed kind of out of place. And then I guess when I watched the first episode, I think, I had the reaction you had to the first episode of Drive, where I was kind mm. of thinking to myself, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna skip this, you know, like that. That yeah. was my initial gut reaction, you know. And and in in revisiting it, you know, I, I did rewatch the first episode, and then I decided to watch the second episode. And and what's kind of incredibly funny, and this is no reflection on you at all, like that you enjoy it, but. It was one of those things where I was like, I promise, John, I'm going to give this a second shot. And, like, I think, I forget what I watched, but, like, I think, I think I had just watched, like, all the, the drive, like, there were a bunch of drive movies, or, there, there was something I watched subtitled that, like, you know, or, oh, no, no, you know, actually, what, what it was, was when we were watching, like, all those Gaim specials and stuff, because we were finishing up the podcast, too, I was kind of like, this was awesome. Like, I want to watch something subtitled, like something more. Like, I'm into this. Like, let's go. And I'm like, I'm going to channel this into Ghost Episode 2. And, like, I watched it, and I was just like, I don't know. It was like it was like my, my you know, fighting meter bar, like, had, like, you know, a green bar and an orange bar and a red bar and a yellow bar. And they all kind of went, blur, 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 blur. And I, I kind of crapped out. But... I will say that in in, in the show's defense, because because I, I know other folks on our our show have have watched the the show further in and still didn't really get into it, but I, I will say in the defense, like I think once Spectre was introduced, I was a little more into it because he's got that whole like mysterious guy thing going on, and you don't really know his whole thing, and he he's kind of aloof and cool, and he he basically slaps around Ghost. And since I can't, I mean, I gotta be honest, like I have a tough time relating to Ghost and his supporting cast. So when the guy in a blue common rider suit came in and started slapping around the guy who's been making it painful for me to watch episodes, like I kind of perked up at that because I was like, yeah, that's right, slap that fucking guy around, you know. So I kind of got into it a little more when Spectre came on board. And then I think the other thing that I I tell folks is like, maybe if you like Yu Yu Hakusho, you might like this show. Because mm -hmm. I, I feel like the, the premise of the show is kind of similar. Like, because I, I, you know, not, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, whatever it is now, you know, 20-year-old spoilers or what have you. But, you know, the, the beginning of Yu Yu Hakusho features a young teen who gets hit by a car and then he becomes a spirit detective and it's all about him. You know, at, at least the first 
you know, couple episodes is an arc about him, you know, getting his body back and, 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 you know, getting these powers. And he goes on to, you know, it's basically like a fighting anime. So in, in this sense, I, I feel like, you know, collect the purpose of collecting the icons is that, you know, Takaru dies in the first episode and thus to get his, his human form back. You know, that's why he's collecting all these icons. And Kamen Rider Spectre's sister is trapped in an icon, and him collecting all the icons is for the end purpose of giving his sister a body back. So obviously those two goals are at odds. And then you've got the other guy with the fucked up teeth, who's the bad guy, and he's been collecting icons, you know, and, like, like they, obviously they, they all have purposes that are you know independent of one another you know and and so I, I i kind of did think of yusuke urameshi you know trying to get his own body back you know in that sense and so those things were kind of interesting to me and then i i, I kind of was surprised because i know i know our our fellow fan hole justin was one of the folks that kind of really wasn't into it and the more i watched the show it did sort of surprise me that ghost's whole thing is historical like and and that kind of shocked me because you know justin's always been a big proponent of history he likes reading historical books he likes you know the invaders or the you know the all-star squadron you know comic books that are set in world war ii you know like things like that like he's always been kind of into that and and it seems like you know when ghost uses his quote-unquote you know special moves or super abilities it's all about using sort of the ghostly powers of these you know, very important historical figures, you know, so like in the episode, I think it was like the first or second episode, it was like, you know, Thomas Edison comes up. You know, so it's like they're they're Western historical figures. In this episode, obviously, it's a Japanese historical figure. But you know, the 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 point sort of stands that you've got these different outfits and, and superpowers that they're using based on the the spirits of of you know famous historical figures. And on that sense, what really got me excited and is gonna be my favorite icon. I love the Billy the Kid icon, like, because I like Young Guns, I like Emilio Estevez, you know, like, I like Billy the Kid in general, so, like, I, I know it's ridiculous, and it's just him in, like, a yeehaw, generic cowboy, like, hoodie outfit or whatever, but I, I really do enjoy the Billy the Kid historical ghost icon, so, so you know, speaking to my reconsideration of the show and the things I took as positives from what I had seen... Like, I loved all that stuff. And then, I luckily, my personal timing was really dead on. So, the opening of this show reflects the Drive Ghost movie that mm. was currently in theaters at the time. And that's actually recently been fan-subbed. So, I did immediately go out and watch that after I watched these nine episodes. And that, to me, was a lot of fun as well. So, oh, okay. so in, in that sense, like, like I, I did enjoy watching that film a great deal. So, I mean, I, I, I think, I, I I feel like I gave the show its fair shake. I, I don't know that I'm going to be as enthusiastic at, at watching the rest of it, but but I, I that's not to say that I won't watch the rest of it either. There were a couple of things that, like, I didn't like in the beginning. One was that stupid lizard bike thing that he had. 
in probably the first episode, second episode. Oh, like yeah, yeah. where he like has so, that. I think it's first episode. that dinosaur thing he rides yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, that was just dumb, and it it actually doesn't come back. I don't even know if they even ran it more than one other time, so that was good. And I thought Urison. It reminded me of that iguana that Obi Wan Kenobi rode in uh, Revenge exactly, of the Sith. <laughs> exactly, but with a motorcycle. It was just why would you put a motorcycle and a lizard together? It doesn't make any sense. It it just doesn't. Urison though, the little one eyed ghostling thing, he she it kind of bothered me in the beginning. You ever play a game and there's like that one character in the beginning that's kind of doing the tutorial and telling you how to play the game. Yeah, that's totally that. Hey, that hey, hey, Navi, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. And once he kind of got all the icons in his, you know, in his in, in his possession, and that kind of evened out, even that character, I think, is now a lot better than it was in, in the beginning. So I, I, th- I do think those things even out over time. And I think, like, Gaim also, there's there's different arcs to this story, and, like, they get darker as they go along. So, hang in there. You, if you might watch a few more, and you might might see a turn. So cool, cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I I definitely wanted to give this its fair shake, and and I thought this would be a good opportunity to do it. However, like like we did mention, there's only the biggest peripheral connection to Christmas. It's it's Christmas cards, basically, is the connection. That's why it's a Christmas. Episode. Why, why are monks at a temple sending out Christmas cards? You think of all people, I, those yeah, would yeah, be the I, people that would not be sending that out. Right, right. Like, you think, you think, yeah, monks would not be sending out Christmas cards. But I guess whatever, whatever gets people to hire Takaru to go do ghost investigations, they're all about it. You know, I, but, I love that they actually use his ghost form. You know, the little drawing of him as ghost. <laughs> on the cards yeah yeah because it's like well nobody can really see him like that you know (laughs) well what about you tony like what what's your kind of takeaway from all this like have did you did you sort of revisit ghost or have you been watching ghost like what what's your kind of how are you coming to this and what's your kind of take on it first of all i have not second of all i believe the infamous Critic Jay Sherman said it best when he said, it stinks. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Unfriend. <laughs> I am kidding. No, I have not really kept up with Ghost. I, I think I, uh, there's also a thing that I watched all of Gaim. We did every single fucking episode and movie and special of Gaim for a podcast. And even though I enjoyed it all, I also watched all of Drive, so I think I was a little burned out on Common Rider for a minute. Like, I needed mm-hmm. to recharge the old batteries, you know? It was like, I watched two full shows, and on one of those shows, I watched everything that was released. So, even though it was good, I was like, I need to take a break. And But in, when I like watched, like when I watched it, I watched it today. And, because this, this was actually very, you know, a little behind the scenes. This was very quickly put together. Listeners, we did this in pretty much two days. When I watched it, there were things that I did like. I really like the Benkai, you know, soul form or whatever you want to call it with a big ass hammer and all that. That's pretty badass. I do like Common Rider Spectre. He's also like Derek said, he's the cool, you know, quiet guy. And he has the mysterious past and everything. He's been missing for 10 years at this point And he has just come back and he's, he's a bad guy. So that's pretty, you know, interesting. You know, it kind of reminds me of Machine Chaser a little bit because you don't know who Machine Chaser is when he first comes back. And and just like him, I'm sure his past is completely going to align with Ghost at some point where, you know, not only were they just friends, but I'm sure there's something that, you know, 
influences how Ghost is Ghost and he's Spectre, so I'm sure that'll come up. I'm, I have very little doubt. I think probably, though, and this may sound really strange, my favorite part of this entire episode was Jabal, because mm. he is a badass. Yeah, mm. he's just... When he comes out, he's like a Street Fighter character. I don't know. I liked him. What? Do you not like him, John? Well, I can't say. <laughs> oh, okay. I'd like to say, but I can't say. Okay. Yeah, this was just me and uh, Derek. You could spoil it, but yeah, I don't want to spoil the listeners if they haven't watched it yet. I thought he was cool. I mean, like, he's a cool bad guy. He is evil. I mean, he's not a good guy. Okay. I will say that he does not play the role, role that I thought he would play. Huh. He does. He does not come become as big as bad guy is what I would have hoped. Oh, okay, so kind of let you down on that. Okay, I can see that. He plays a part, but he doesn't play as the the evil bad guy part. Is what you would think. Huh. See, like that kind of stuff would keep me watching. So I'm I might you you know watch a couple episodes after this just to see what that is. I'm I'm kind of with Derek though. When I first saw this episode, like first saw the series. It didn't really click with me. I was just like, yeah, okay. This episode was a lot better. And I, I think that's just the thing with Common Rider. Because I know a lot of people who watch Drive, first couple of episodes they watched, they were kind of like, eh, whatever. But then you get kind of hooked, you know, with some of the characters like Machine Chaser and like all the background characters. And I think that's one of the things that me and Derek and Justin all had a big trouble, big problem with. Hmm. Is that like Ghost is okay. He's not a bad lead character. Of course, you know, Spectre is okay. But me, Derek, and Justin, we've all voiced our dislike of, like, the bald monk and the girl. And, like, it, it, like Derek's biggest gripe is the, the girl is cute. She is by no means unattractive, but but she's no my. You know? <laughs> she's oh, just... well, yeah. Well, but I, I mean, I, I like, I like Kiriko too. I mean, I just, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's superficial. You know, to some people, it's probably misogynist or sexist or what have you. But I'm like, where's, where's my cute girls to look at and common rider? Like, I don't, I don't know. They, they, like, what was funny was I remember there were certain episodes where there was like a cute girl that was peripherally involved, that was like an extra or just like walking down the street or Ghost saves them or something. And I was like, come, come back. <laughs> like, where are you going? Like, we need you, you know, like we need somebody, you know? <laughs> so like, that was, that was kind of my take on it. Like, I hope maybe Spectre's sister is cute or something. Like anything. She's hideous. Like, but... She's 200 oh, really? pounds and, you know, four <laughs> oh, Yeah. Uh, she oh, doubles well. as a sumo wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> One eye. She's got the same yeah. teeth as the evil professor. <laughs> man, dude, is that? I hope those are fake, man. I hope those aren't real. Like, you know who he reminded me of? He reminded me of Tote from Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't yeah, know if they yeah, were trying to make him look like that, but I mean, he's even got that that same feel when the character's on the screen. You know? Yeah, yeah the bowler hat and everything. Yeah. yeah, I mentioned also the bald monk. I will say this much: I don't know all the characters' names, and after. Derek struggling to say them. I don't even, I'm not even going to try to say them. But, like, the bald monk, he did seem a lot more toned down in this. Like, I know the first episode I saw him in, he was like, whoa! Yeah. Yeah, he still has those moments. That that doesn't quite go away. But he, he actually gets another character to play that off of that it makes it even goofier. <laughs> and I, and oh, I, I'm, probably not hel- <laughs> I'm probably not helping my case here, but, yeah. You're doing good with the whole like jabble thing, then you're like, there's another bald monk and he's twice as annoying. <laughs>
What what did you guys think of uh of Alan? What what do you think his role is? He seemed I, like I, you had to go to Derek on that. I haven't seen a lot of him, so I I don't know. I mean he, he just seems like he's got he's got a plan, but like he, he does seem like that young upstart type character. You know, I, I wasn't I it just seemed like I guess the, the, to, at this point, like the, these guys all seem to have machinations, but like I'm not really seeing any major substance behind it. So like I think my impression of him is he will either usher in the real big bad, which will be his father, or you know like you know he he may even make like a face heel turn at some point, you know. But right now he seems like this kind of uppity kind of, yeah. you know, he, he springs from royalty. He's got an attitude. And then he, he also thinks he's entitled to whatever machination and master plan he has going on. So, I mean, I, I, I didn't necessarily think highly of him, but as far as like the actor who plays him, I mean, he, he sells that. Like, I, I feel like he's this, this hoity toity kind of, stuck up kind of dude you know like so i i think he sells that if that's what he's going for like i i think he seemed believe it or not he seemed like the least annoying of oh, the extended cast you know what i mean like yeah. he, he seemed to make sense to me like it, it, i didn't look at him and go oh jesus you know like whereas you know the monk and the, the even the the you know the what what is she like the scientist girl it's like she's yeah. got ghosts like farting up her butt and she's like only with it i believe it if it's science and i'm just kind of like dude it like the ghost just pooped in your cheerios like what do you need science for you know like i i don't know like it just it kind of kind of so your me best friends crazy. with a ghost you know that right <laughs> you know it's like it's like you know scully in like season nine of the x-files or something and you're like jesus christ you've seen how many aliens scully yeah Come the on. the between anari and akari there's kind of this faith science thing going on and it's it's really heavy-handed at times especially yeah, in those early yeah. episodes um, yeah they, they seem to be sort of at odds with one another but they're they're kind of the left and right hand of the supporting cast really you know yeah you know you saw the beethoven episode then yes right yes that one surprised me just because that that dude was talking about committing suicide and yeah, then, oh, I'm gonna commit suicide. My music's gonna be famous, and I'm thinking, dude, this this is like a kid show. You you're talking about jumping off a building to make your music famous. It seems yeah, a little, well, a I, I I thought I thought that that you could kind of get away with that, as in the ghost was edging him to that, like so that. Yeah. I, I kind of took it as like if, even if you're a kid or this is for kids, it's not like they're promoting suicide as a good thing. One. The second thing is, look at this evil, nasty ghost. Like, it's obviously influencing to do that. So, I mean, I guess you could further take it as, if you have feelings like this, kids, it's just a nasty spirit that you should ignore, and Common Writer Ghost can come in and do, like, a writer kick on its ass, and then you'll be fine. You know, like, like you know, to simplify it, or maybe oversimplify it. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of... 
kind of how I took that. Or if know. you go if you go to your local Toys R Us and buy a ghost driver, you could totally fight that evil feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, can you imagine in the states pl playing that show? I mean, I, I, that that's what blew me away about that one. Is I was like, Whoa. well, I think I think that's part of the appeal to yeah. watching these series is is even though as as goofy and wacky as like the monk and the scientist are and all this other stuff every once in a while something slips in and you know it's kind of the way i feel like when i watch even those old episodes of like ultraman from from the 70s you know and stuff like that i, I remember sitting there watching an episode and it's like oh and by the way you're doing great at the gym you know little takahari or whatever the kid's name is and then like three episodes later it's like oh guess what your parents were like eviscerated sorry like, guess you gotta live with like Ultraman Taro now, and I was just like, holy crap! Like, they, I mean, they were just eviscerated, and you're just like, wow, how does that, you know, like, like, kind of like your reaction to this? It's like, you know, something really kind of heavy, like, you know, a concept like suicide, or, or, you know, something where, you know, people's parents are murdered, you know, by a monster, and you're just like, wow. <laughs> That's a pretty, you know, heavy concept in something that's a, yeah. you, you know, you wouldn't have had, you know, gee whiz, Duke, Lifeline, like, what's going on? You know, Jimmy, well, Cobra Commander killed my mom and dad. Well, knowing's half the battle, have a apple, yo, Joe, you know, like, you'd never have anything like that, you know? Like, yeah, it'd be like any other G.I. Joe movie, they're like, Scarlet, we just got word, what? Duke, the wound got septic, he's dead. <laughs> Yeah, and it happened off screen. Yeah, off screen. Yeah, <laughs> they can even make it even more downer. It's like, are you going to go to the funeral? I never really liked them. You know, they're they're actually, and it doesn't happen. I think for a number of episodes later, they actually kill a character in Ghost. Well, they don't kill. The character dies, and they actually have the funeral, and they they show the characters going to the funeral, and it affects one of the characters in a way that changes them. So. They, I mean, they, they really, because this is ghosts, they deal with death, I mean, through this whole well, thing. I guess, I mean, yeah, soul, I guess so. given, the, given the title, I guess you sort of have to at some point, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, well, I was and, just kind of surprised like, by it. Oh, not like that, but I mean, like, you know, we kind of glossed over it because we talked about ghosts, you know, before, but like, you know, the whole main character's thing is he has to get all these icons in a certain number of days. Or, you know, his soul's destroyed or whatever. He, like, you know, doesn't get to come back. He goes, like, to the afterlife, afterlife. So that's kind of heavy, too, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and his father's dead and, you know, what yeah. what really happened. And, you know, you, you've got, then you've got Spectre trying to save his sister's soul. I mean, you know, what save her soul from what? Uh, is she in hell? Is she in this other world? Where Where is she? And you really don't know. That That's kind of heavy, too, in a way. Oh, here, my sister's in this little icon, and, you know. And, oh, yeah, and, definitely. Yeah, and, I, uh, I do like the fact that when uh, Spectre transforms, his tagline, kind of the Gaim or the Drive thing, his is hell-bent. And I, like, I, I kind of yeah. like that. Yeah, I do, too. The figure art actually comes with that. If you got the first issue, it comes with five extra icons. And and one of them is the oh, cool. the the cannon icon, so that's kind of cool. Oh, does Takaru come with the, the? I'm trying to think of the guy's name, the little ghost guy. Yeah, Urison. He comes with Urison. Urison. He comes with him. Okay, yeah. that's pretty. Cool. But yeah. he doesn't come with any icons. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Well, he's got so many. Like, because he gets them pretty quick. Or does he? Like I, I will say, uh -oh, that, that, uh... 
I, I will say, even though I was shocked and appalled by the lack of cute girls in Common Rider Ghost, that seeing the quote-unquote evil version of Medic in the Drive ghost movie, like, totally made up for that. So that that made up for, like, the nine episodes of non-cuteness or what have you. Cause just just to make you happy, they have some Hello, episodes. They have some episodes later on where they're helping um, some girls out. So uh, there you as go. clients. So they're, they're, you, you, you get some eye candy later on. Okay. Okay. Whether well, it's up to your standards or not, I have no idea. So. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's it's all a very personal thing. So, but yeah, like uh, Eric will be happy if like Eric will be happy if like you know the 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 monk and like uh, you know uh, ghost and uh, the girl. Are talking to people and you don't see them, and they're like they pan around and it's like team pop. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just saying. Is it is actually like pop up cute or is it like not? Is it is it below or above that level? Actually, so. there is a point where Akari joins. I'm going to spoil this, but Akari joins a girl band, a Japanese girl pop mm. band. Is it like is it like that oh, one you goes. showed me? Is that one you showed me, Tony? What what were their names? Oh God, uh, 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 baby metal. <laughs> baby metal. Uh, no, it's <laughs> not like quite. It's not quite metal. like that. No, it's it's more it's more uh, J-pop type stuff. Okay, okay. But they're they're on stage and they dance and you know wear their nice. cute little outfits and there stuff. There you go. So. I I think I'm a little bit lesser on Derek's scale of like going to watch this again, but I mean I will definitely give you some credit, John, as far as. There are some characters that did show up that I, I think are interesting. So, if they make those characters stay interesting, I know you are you didn't you know ruin Jabel, but like what you said makes you want to see what he does do. And also, like you and Derek, I do think that Common Rider Spectre is pretty badass and cool. So, if I do watch it, it'll definitely be kind of like what Drive was. Gaim, I love the story. The story was amazing. It was epic. It was huge. And with Drive, the story was good. I mean, don't get me wrong, the story was completely fine, but I, fi- I found myself watching it more because of the characters. I love the characters. Mm. They just sucked me in. Yeah, like, you know, like Heart and everything else. So if I do give Ghost a, like, a solid chance, it'll definitely, I think right now, it'll be for the characters. So that's, you know, that's not a bad thing. No, it reminds me a lot of, of Double, because you've got the limited oh, number of Oh, yeah, I have watched a couple episodes of that. You know, you got the limited number of writers. You, you know, you don't have a whole bunch of them. So... It's kind of like that combined with the the driver of Ghost, or not Ghost, but Gaim, you know, where you've got these different little fruits and stuff you got to find. Well, in this case, they're icons, but you know what I mean? It, it, it kind of ties in that way to to me. Yeah. And, and really, Spectre reminds me of both Excel from Double and Baron from Gaim. He's like a oh, combination okay. of those two characters in the long run to me. Oh. Without without spoiling the the Drive Ghost movie too much, I, I do think that having watched that, I think that was the first time I sort of felt empathy for Takaru. I guess if that makes any sense, like there there are some events that occur and and some timey wimey shenanigans that go on, and th- there are certain scenes where I, I I'll just say as opposed to when you know, Pekko was was crying in the the Gaim Gaiden two, you know, on Knuckle <laughs> Man's shoulder, and I didn't buy it. Like there there are some some good moments that the actor who plays Takaru has, and and it did kind of make me go, oh, I oh, like yeah. like made me feel 
feel bad for the guy, so. You mean the part where they're sitting in the temple training? Yes. And he's getting beat with the stick? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, maybe if you're on the fence and, and you did enjoy Drive, maybe checking out the, the Drive Ghost movie might help put you over the edge, because I know I did kind of get excited to watch that, and I enjoyed that. And, you know, of course, this episode, like we said, tangentially related to Christmas, but it gave us an opportunity to discuss Ghost among the the American fandom, which is us, I suppose, you know, and then kind of our, our thoughts on it and everything like that. So, I mean, it was something we kind of wanted to do and address. I, I, did, I did offer Justin the opportunity to record a little mini rant on the side and insert it, but he actually said, he said to me, he's like, I've ranted enough about that. You don't have to do that. So, so you know, I, I think I think if you've been listening to Toku Thursdays regularly, you you, you kind of know where where we were coming from to this point, and I, I just felt it was worth it to you know not not only to have John on, but also you know get a different vantage point from somebody who you know legitimately you know enjoyed the show and and has had a good time with it and is definitely you know an advocate and proponent of it as well so that it doesn't you know j- just so it's not all sort of one-sided and everything and I, I thought this was a good opportunity to to do that but i think this will probably wrap up our our coverage of this episode of of common writer ghost but i think what we'll do is we'll take a quick commercial break and then when we come back on the other half of the show we're going to be talking about ultraman max A fan podcast devoted to the comic series Xenozoic Tales. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure series filled with Cadillacs and dinosaurs. I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. We hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in this excellent comic series from creator, writer, and artist Mark Schultz. Xenozoic Xenophiles is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. And find us at xenozoicxenophiles.com. Hey guys, welcome back from that awesome commercial break. And now we're on the other half of our Christmas month episode. And this would not be a Toku Thursdays without me exposing more people to Ultraman. And so one of the episodes that I thought would make a really good pick for a Christmas episode, which is a series I'm pretty familiar with, is Ultraman Max. And episode 27 is titled... Christmas with Ellie, and this originally aired December 24th, 2005, so kind of right there on the nose of Christmas as far as that goes. I I think I'll kind of give everybody the down low on Ultraman Max, since this is probably the first time we've ever brought it up on the show, but I know when I had asked John to join us on this, he kind of did briefly ask me what Ultraman Max Episode 26 was about, and you know, what kind of he could expect from that. And, you know, kind of what I had mentioned to him was just that Ultraman Max is a fairly traditional Ultraman show in the sense that you have a lead character who works with a group of essentially, you know, Japanese 
science police or special forces, like whatever you want to call them, you know, there's always these kind of science police squads on Ultraman shows usually. And usually, you know, traditionally, one of the members of that team is a lead you know, heroic Japanese figure who also is usually the, you know, the host for the Ultraman character of the show. So in this case, it's really no different. You know, you've got Kaito Toma, who is basically the host for Ultraman Max, you know, so you've got him and then he's got, you know, his series of teammates and everything. And, you know, this episode, you know, it is a heavily focused on Christmas, I think. And, you know, there's not so much Ultraman versus the monster of the week in terms of tradition, but I'd say in, in general, the series does focus on, you know, that character, him turning into Ultraman Max and saving the Earth from the monster of the week or something like that. But occasionally, like this episode, there are these kind of little hidden treasures where things kind of, you know, focus on little side stories or special things and I, I think this episode is kind of an example of that so I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and go into the synopsis and then we can talk about the episode and, and kind of your take on the whole thing while Ellie is out Christmas shopping with her two teammates Kenjiro Koba and Sean White she wonders why this season makes humans so happy when the guys leave her briefly finish off their shopping list, she comes across one Dr. Corey. It turns out Corey is constructing a machine for the capture of Eugen, a creature who appears once every 12 years. She sees the creature fly overhead briefly, but the Eugen vanishes, and Ellie is left with the after-effect of an electrical shock from his time-space predictor device that knocks her out. Kenjiro, Sean, and the other Dash team members, Mizuki Koshiskawa and Kaito Toma, who is also Ultraman Max, are concerned that Ellie may have been kidnapped. However, Captain Shigeru explains she may be following her crime prevention programming. Sure enough, a repaired Ellie is now chastising the doctor for the crime of deforesting a Japanese ash tree in a protected national forest. The doctor equivocates that the Yujin passes Earth only once every 12 years on Christmas Eve, and if he doesn't catch it this time, his heart will surely stop. Ellie's life-saving protocol, now in conflict with her crime prevention programming, but the moral dilemma is avoided when they are chased out of the National Forest. Ellie's sensors then detect some ash tree wood headed toward them, and it turns out to be the walking stick of an elderly man who agrees to loan it to the doctor. To replace the battery on his time-space predictor device, Dr. Corey borrows another, without asking, Team Dash sees the security camera footage from the theft and sees Ellie holding up a sign saying, We will return it, just letting you know. Sean recognizes Dr. Corey from the camera footage and points out that he is commonly nicknamed Dr. Swindler. The doctor builds his trap and produces a crystal to contain the Eugen Inn. He then tells Ellie that some time ago, on his 12th Christmas Eve, his sister had wished for some red berries to decorate the Christmas tree. He had run out into the woods and saw the Eugen for the first time and has been searching for it again ever since. 
Kaito and Kinjiro locate Ellie and attempt to convince her that the Yujin does not exist. However, she is determined to believe in the existence of the creature who she sees as a Christmas present that comes only every 12 years. As Mizuki and Sean interrogate the doctor, everyone is in awe when the sky fills with light particles that appear like snowflakes and the Yujin arrives. The beautiful white bird of light triggers the doctor's trap and the snowflakes of light that result make the surrounding area begin to vanish into space-time. Kaito then transforms into Ultraman Max to construct an energy barrier to reflect the anti-life snowflakes, but he cannot deflect the distortions forever. Dr. Cory runs forward and releases the deity from its trap to the surprise of Ellie. The Yujin takes flight as the vanished portions of the town reappear. However, Sean notices that the Yujin left something behind. To the doctor's surprise, he sees a branch with red berries. Ellie believes she finally understands the meaning of Christmas. A day when everyone wants to make someone else happy. A day to bring blessings to someone. The Dash team agrees, and they all enjoy a white Christmas. And that is the synopsis for Christmas with Ellie. If you hadn't figured out, because I didn't totally spell it out, Ellie uh, was something that I kind of told John early on, is Team Dash's kind of robot, female robot colleague, kind of like, you know, Data from Star Trek The Next Generation. So it's very much her trying to understand human emotions and feelings and all that kind of good stuff. But I guess I'll open it up to the guys because I imagine, I mean, I could be wrong, but I imagine maybe this is the first time you guys have ever seen Ultraman Max at all. So I'm kind of curious what you guys thought. I, I will say this. Fuck shit, damn. Fuck shit, damn. Titties, dick, and balls. And the only reason I say that is because this episode is so fucking adorable, I have to balance it with some <laughs> vulgarity. Because this, and it's adorable in the best possible way. This this was like, this was a Japanese show that did a better Christmas episode than a lot of American shows. So that's where I was at, just from like an overall thing, but I, I, I would love to talk more in depth about this. But as far as Ultraman Max, this was kind of cool. I, I like how Ultraman Max looks and to be exposed to like the first episode being like kind of, I love Ellie. Ellie's amazing. To be exposed to these characters, I'm kind of interested in it. Yeah, I just wanted to, to counterbalance how possibly sweet and sappy we'll get because this is such a damn cute episode. <laughs> I'm just glad you explained that she was like data to me before I watched it. Cause I probably would have been like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why is she? Yeah. Like I mean, that? I, I, I think it's not a bad episode for newbies, like a, not a bad episode for an introduction, but I, I do think it helps to have that sort of primer that, okay, Ellie's the team robot. Like if you, if you sort of didn't know that it might be a little weird coming into this, this episode. In the uh, opening scene, there's actually a little tie-in to to the to Common Rider Ghost, and and you guys might not have picked up on it because I don't think you're far enough along, Derek. They mentioned they're gonna go make taco yaki in the near. Oh the yeah, 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 yeah. Like how he tries uh, to explain what. Yeah, yeah, he and... tries to explain what Christmas is, and and the guy says something to the effect of, "Well, it's like." It's like takoyaki without the the balls inside or whatever, you know, yeah. Christmas without presents is like, you know, I kind of took it as like, it's like a hostess cupcake without the cream filling, you know, that that's what Christmas is without presents, you know, like that, 
that kind of notion. There's a Takoyoki seller that comes in as a character later on in Ghost. Ah, okay. And, and she has these little boxes, and there's like six of them in a box, and she's selling them, and they're eating them with little toothpicks and stuff, so. See, there's a total yeah, tether yeah. between these two shows, and I didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Derek, you're supposed I'm to like, host. I'm like, you think, you think we had this all planned. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, cool, I know what that is. Yay. I, I will say See, one thing, Derek, go. that I really enjoyed about this, about Ultraman Max, that opening, holy shit, that opening. That is a good fucking opening. <laughs> yeah, most of the most of the Ultraman shows have pretty fun openings and stuff like that. I mean, you know, not to not to peek behind the curtain, but this probably won't be the last time we talk about Ultraman Max on this show. But I mean, I, I am glad that I can, you know, sort of introduce people to something new and and that they can, you know, I mean, obviously, it seems like you guys had a good time you know, watching it. And, and I mean, you, you kind of be hard pressed not to, I mean, it is kind of like Tony says, it's a, it's a cute, fun, you know, kind of, you know, heart tugging, heart warming type of show, you know? So I, and I think this is something that I think I've mentioned in the series of all these episodes over the course of, of the month, but this was something that I enjoyed watching if I was sort of spending a Christmas by myself. Do you know what I mean? Like something that I'd like to put on just to give me the warm and fuzzies or something like that. And and it definitely, it definitely fits that mood, you know? Like yeah, the only, like, the only know, thing like, that probably would have made it better is if they had Linus standing there at the end with his blanket, you know, explaining the right, uh, the message. Right. Well, I, I, I'm sure if I did a whole big Christmas marathon, like, you know, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas would be part of that too, you know? So, but it, it to me, it's also kind of fun to to vary it up and watch a bunch of different stuff. So I think like this and maybe like Gotham Knights and, you know, <laughs> right. those, those kind of things, you know, like, or whether it's, you know, whatever kind of, you know, fun, you know, genre shows that have Christmas related episodes. So this, this kind of became part of my routine or whatever. If I, if I spent some Christmases by myself and stuff like that. I kind of felt bad for like, the doctor. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Ahead, he, he, he... Oh no, it's okay. Um, I was just gonna say is like, just picking on like Derek on my own thing. I watch weird stuff like that on Christmas too. So it'd be like, hey, we're going over Charlie's house for Christmas. What are we gonna watch? Oh, we're gonna watch like The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. We're gonna watch Charlie Brown Christmas. We're gonna watch Batman Returns and Ultraman Max. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of yeah. 
But you you were saying you felt bad for the yeah the because I mean they're they're saying he's a swindler, but apparently he was right the whole time, and you know he's he spent his life trying to to find this other well, life form but I, and... I I I think it's more along the lines of the the example where they break into the place and Ellie has to leave that like IOU sign, you know, like like not so much that that he's a bad guy, but to to reach his goals he's it, it kind of reminds me of when i used to you know take college courses and they said oh well you know how do you become a good director you know well you you know you lie cheat and steal just to get your project off the ground basically you know like that that's kind of something that that was imparted to you where it's like it didn't matter what kind of moral quandaries you were faced with you just broke all of those because your goal was to produce or direct the most fantastic show you could possibly direct and and in this sense i think that is applicable to the doctor's end goal you know dr Corey basically is like i will see the eugen again you know like that's his goal to capture the eugen and see it again so it basically it's like so i borrowed a battery from someplace where I didn't pay for it or it didn't follow the standard rules of society. And it's not like he hurt anybody. Yeah, I'm trying to catch a Christmas space dinosaur here. Come on, people. <laughs> but but at the time, you know, it's like it's not as if he was actually, you know, like like that's why there's those funny things with Ellie because, you know, they're, they're basically, you know, it's like she's got the conflicting protocols, you know. It's like, wait, you're breaking the law, but then I don't want your heart to expire. And, you know, like those kind of things where it's like, well, I've got a way way out, you know, well, do I want to take this guy to the hospital or do I want to break a few laws and, and leave an IOU note, you know, that will return the battery once he's finished with it, you know, like, so. Well, well, also what I got from it, though, Derek, is also the fact that when he when he kind of reveals his backstory to Ellie, like, the only time he's ever seen it was when he was 12. And during his life, he's roped other people into helping him, and they haven't seen shit. They think he's lying because he's never had any proof. And Ellie's the only time that he's actually had someone who had the abilities or the resources because she's a robot. That, you know, she's like, like the first time he's seen the thing in like forever is like he says it's a shadow of it was when she is able to triangulate his prediction device. So I think that's also another thing. It's like he knows it's real, but since he didn't have proof, nobody believes him and thinks that he's lying and that he's trying to swindle people. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I see what you guys are saying about that. Yeah. I understand there's something urgent you wish to discuss with me. Yes. I must return to the observatory immediately. I must continue a critical experiment I've been running on the Amagosa star. We're still conducting our investigation into the attack. Soon yes, as that is, I... soon as that is complete, then I will allow you and your colleagues to return. But until then, there's nothing I can do. Timing is very important in my experiment. If it's not completed in the next 12 hours, years of research will be lost. We're doing the best we can, if you'll excuse me. They say time is the fire in which we burn. So he's basically Soren from Star Trek Generations. Yeah, except for it's a it's a Try to get back to the fuzzies. It's a warm and fuzzy nexus, you know. Like I guess it doesn't yeah, actually it doesn't actually destroy millions of people. Well, I I suppose had they kept him trapped in that little contraption, well, yeah. then I guess it would have destroyed a whole bunch of people. I mean, I, I did compare the waves of snowflakes to, like, the anti-life equation or, or anti-life, you know, anti-matter waves in, in Crisis on Infinite Earths. I mean, that's kind of what it was like. You were getting the idea, oh, if this, 
if this bird, you know, space bird kept, you know, sprinkling snowflakes on everything, everything else would have disappeared, you know? So it's like, it, it could have gone horribly awry, you know? And, and if not for the fact that, like, Ultraman Max had his little barrier there and that, you know, eventually the doctor kind of comes to his senses is like, I can't keep this thing locked up for just me, you know? I need to, you know, let it free or whatever. But, you know, that's... It, it's it's interesting. It's like that. It, it, it's kind of like a a, a nice kind of hallmark version of Moby Dick, I guess, if that makes any mm. sense. You know, because it's not like he was out to, you know, I'm gonna get him. You know, I'm gonna get that whale. You know, or whatever. But <laughs> but in some sense, you know, he, there there was that obsession, but it wasn't quite the same kind of obsession. I have to say that the the actual Urizenets are Unizen, Unizen, Unigen, the the creature. Um, oh, 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 yeah. The what is it? The Yinjin or whatever. Yeah, yeah they pulled Yinjin. it off really yeah. cool. It, it it was it was neat. It had that Christmas feel to it, even. You know, I, I really like the way they did that when it was in the yeah, because you could see. It, it. I mean, in in some ways, like it it produced snowflakes, but it kind of looked like a snowflake and. It kind of looked like a bird, so kind of maybe a little dovish and peaceful and peace and goodwill. Yeah, and exactly. Kind of like a and, yeah. I was going to ask you, Derek, and you too, John, because me and you are coming in this kind of cold. Usually in shows like this, the focus is on the main character, that being Ultraman Max. And, you know, Derek has said he is the focus of the show. I mean, he, he has plenty of episodes where he gets to show off and be, you know, cool and shit. But this was, he didn't really do a lot. You know, he made a barrier and stuff, and but he did play second fiddle to Ellie. And to me, it didn't matter. I thought it was a fun story, and I liked Ellie as a character, and it was fun seeing her, you know, pretty much playing Jiminy Cricket to the Doctor. But, I mean, what, did you did you mind that, Derek, or did you want to see some more Ultraman Max action? No, I think, I think kind of as you described, I mean, this is much like many of the Tokusatsu series. I mean, this is episode 26 of a, you know, 40, 50-something episode series, so there are plenty of moments for... Ultraman Max to get his focus. I mean, that that's the beauty of doing a long-form television series. You know, you can have the episodes that focus on Counselor Troy and everybody can go to sleep, but then you can still have the episodes with, you know, Riker and, and Picard and Worf can do his honorable Klingon thing and all this cool stuff can happen. So, I mean, you know, in, in that sense, like, if, if Ellie is the data of of this cast of characters, it's like, this is a cool data episode, but We'll get a cool, you know, Picard, 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 da, 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 episode later or whatever, <laughs> you know. Like, so I'm not, I, I wasn't, I wasn't about her or anything over that. In fact, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's a nice change of pace. I mean, they, they pay the character the, the proper respect. I mean, he obviously tries to and, and sort of for a while successfully deflects antimatter waves, you know. So it's not like it's not like he's a, a big pushover or anything he's obviously you know doing what an ultraman does which is fight to protect the earth and stuff like that so well i i like that he's not necessarily fighting the creature too for a christmas episode. right right yeah you know he's he's protecting people but he's not oh i'm gonna go beat up this creature that was kind of cool I, I like seeing that well i mean i think i think in some sense like there i mean to, to go into the history of it you know i mean there 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 were what, what I like to call the kind of pussified hippie Ultraman, like Ultraman Cosmos, where it's all about him being friends with the monsters and stuff like that. 
But, you know, and, and sometimes I think that goes a little overboard, you know. But in, in this sense, you know, I think it's pretty clear that this creature does not mean anyone any harm. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just because of what some humans have done and, and the, the series of events, you know, like that, that it's causing, you know, unintentional you know, destruction, you know, so in that sense, like, obviously, you know, he's not gonna do what most Ultraman do, which is, you know, wrestle the guy in a rubber suit and, like, you know, pile drive him and shit like that, you know, like, in, in this particular sense, you know, and, and so, so in that sense, I mean, it, it makes total sense, but it, it's not to say that there aren't monsters that come to Earth in Ultraman Max like that and that he doesn't beat the shit out of them, do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. it's like, you know, there, there's, there's probably a balance to it where, you know, when when it's necessary, he beats the shit out of monsters. But in this sense, it's it's pretty clear that that's not what what would have been needed to, you know, resolve the issue. And given that it's a Christmas episode, you'd think like, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, Ultraman Max can take a break from pile driving monsters for the Christmas episode. You know what I mean? Like that that kind of is something that. I guess to, to me is kind of obvious or whatever, but I guess speaking to, I, I, I'll just throw in, you know, speaking to, you know, John has a uh, common writer ghost and specter figure arts. I, I do have a ultra act Ultraman max figure. So, I mean, th- in that sense, th- I've got some Bandai cred for, for Ultraman max as well. Have they ever done like figures of the team or is it just the Ultramans? No, I mean, not really. Like the, the the closest I've seen to stuff like that is, you know, those real action heroes, kind of like mm. the, the sideshow kind of guys. Like there, there are yeah. a lot of uh, real action hero versions of usually it's going to be the lead character, you know? So like somebody, I, I don't think there is one of Kaito, but I know like, Dan Murabashi, who's like Ultra Seven, you know, like I, I I know there are different versions of him as like a sort of you know one six scale figure or whatever, you know, like the the real action hero or you know the, basically like either the leads or maybe some of the girls and stuff like that, you know, like part of the the teams and stuff. So usually like they have those guys in their outfits. I don't like I have to be honest, I can't remember ever having seen a dash member in that kind of toy line or what have you. You, you know what I was going to ask you guys? Like, because this is your first introduction to it. And I, I know when I first saw it, I was a little taken aback by it, but got used to it fairly quickly. Like, what do you guys think of the American member of dash? Like the guy, Sean, who's just like, Hey, I speak Japanese and what's up. But you know, clearly I, I stand <laughs> out from the rest of the cast because I'm not Japanese, you know, like, like what, what did you have any thoughts on that? Was that a little weird? Cause I, I know, I don't think I prepped any of like, basically I know I prepped John on saying, Oh, Hey, Ellie's a robot, but I didn't go, Oh, and Hey, by the way, there's going to be this white guy who speaks Japanese and his name's Sean white, you know, like, okay. You know, like, like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like I didn't really give you guys any heads up on that. So I, I'm just kind of curious, like what your first impression of Sean was. I, it didn't even really stand out to me. Oh, okay. Okay. To be honest. I mean, I'm so used to those kind of teams like that, you know, either, you know, you think of like Voltron or, yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know, you, you kind of get used to or even even Power Rangers, you know, you watch that and, and you, you kind of see that or or say uh, Oren from from Gaim, you know, I mean, he's definitely different than the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 
I, I guess I've kind of gotten used to that in these things, especially in a team type setting. Yeah, honestly, like besides his name and like, you know, some of his mannerisms, which is, of course, intentional. He didn't come off like, you know, I, I would say the stereotypical Japanese version of an American guy, like, you know, Chibity Crockett from, you know, G, <laughs> G Fighter. You know, like, I'm wearing a cowboy hat, throwing a football, and eating a cheeseburger. He didn't, you know, come off that way. So, yeah, yeah, I'm like John. I didn't really notice that. I wasn't like, you know, there's a white guy on my team. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I remember kind of, like, being surprised, because it's not too often that you see that, I think, in, in these shows. Like, normally, if it is an Ultraman show and you've got, you know, a team of science police type characters, whether it's Dash or the science police, patrol, whatever, you know, then, you know, most of them are usually all Japanese. But, I mean, I, I do, I mean, what it kind of reminds me of are certain aspects of, like, the Godzilla film franchise. Hmm. Like, I, you know, I, I'm thinking, like, specifically of, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Godzilla Final Wars, but I've always yucked it up about, you know, I, I know some people have certain opinions about Final Wars one way or the other. I, I kind of enjoy it for what it is, but, you know, I, it's basically just a huge, big brawl between all the monster characters, and, and Godzilla just kind of kicks their ass one by one, basically. But Don Fry is a member of, again, this kind of... Japanese, you know, space patrol type team. No. Stay on course. But what always cracked me up about his character is not only is he the the lone white man on a, you know, ship that is crewed by all Japanese people, but Japanese characters will speak to him in Japanese. He'll nod and and talk back to them as if he understands what they're saying, and he'll talk to them in English. And they'll nod and and talk back to him as if they understand what he's saying, but they never <laughs> actually speak the language. Like it, it's it's actually much much more hilarious than Sean White because Sean White clearly you know he's fluent in Japanese. Like unless he was dubbed, and I just don't know it. But you know, as far as I can tell, like he's speaking Japanese back and forth with his other fellow Team Dash members, and you're like, okay, well he's fluent. You know, like he he may be you know, uh, they're out on assignment, you know, that might not be his country of origin, but he's there fighting the good fight, and he speaks the language and knows how to get around and everything. But, it, you know, it always kind of cracked me up where it's like, dude, I want to grow up to be Don Fry. I just want to, like, speak English to people, and they understand what I'm saying, and then they speak their language back to me, and I just nod my head, and I'm like, that's right. You know, like, so I, <laughs> that always kind of cracked me up. Hey. I thought I told you guys to get back to the ship. It's Don Fry just like, I thought I was walking to a laser taggerine here now, so fuck it, let's do this. <laughs> One thing I did want to mention that I thought was really, like, even Jesus possibly more cute than this episode already is, is uh, who's the who's the uh, female member of Dash, Derek? That would be Mizuki. Okay, yeah, there's this one point where Mizuki is, is talking to them, and she's, like, very upset because she's aware of this Dr. Swindler, and, you know, she's mad that, like, he's taking advantage of poor Ellie and, you know, how could he do this? You know, he's like, you know, pulled the wool over her eyes. And then, like, you know, she confronts him when they, like, go to rescue her. And she's, like, literally giving him, like, you know, the shit. You know, she's, like, you know, tearing him a new one. And, like, he just says a couple of things, you know. I was like, well, I have proof. And, like, da, 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 da. and she's like, oh, so it is true. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> just, like, she does, like, a 180 degree, just like. <laughs> I, just, yeah, I, I don't think... know why I found that funny. I think she's the kind of character where obviously she's a she's a pretty lady and stuff, but it, it, she seems to be that trope 
that that applies to these kind of shows where it's a, a a strong female lead character, but that she sort of has to overcompensate because she's a female. If that makes any sense, like mm. it seems to be on that the cusp of that. I mean, I, I suppose today you'd say, oh well, it's not that uncommon. You might have you know a a, a female CEO or a female you know that is enlisted in the military or, you know, th- those kind of things. It's like, you know, hopefully we're at the point where people don't bat a second eye at that kind of thing. But I think even back then it was still kind of like this thing of, well, don't look down on me just because I'm a female. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of notion. So, so I think she, she always came off as, as having to be, you know, sort of very strong willed, you know, even more so than her, her male counterparts just to sort of, be considered unequal, I think. So I, I think part of that is is her character. You know, it's in her nature to be like, hey, why are you pushing around my friend? You know, why are you swindling her? You know, like those those kind of characteristics yeah. where she's kind of being the protector. Mama bird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that kind of thing. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I was going to say, and this is just like my, my nostalgia kicking in. I, I'm aware of a lot of the Ultramans, how they look. I haven't watched a lot of series, but due to your fandom of it, I've seen a lot of your figures and stuff. Is it just me or does Ultraman Max look a lot like Gridman slash Superhuman Samurai Squads? I can see that, yeah. You know, I've always I've always really wanted to see that in the original Japanese, but unfortunately, I, I don't think there's ever been any official release of that, and no one's ever really fan subbed it so hmm. yeah I, I was going to ask you the, the opening scene has like these spaceships does he join up with those do those become body armor or are those just spaceships because they transform they are usually like the dash stuff like he doesn't join up with them but I, I believe you, you know me I'm bad with like mech stuff so I, I couldn't tell you what their names were unless I had prepped for it on the show which I haven't but like you usually what they do if I'm recalling correctly is they they transform and combine usually is is what the trope is like you know maybe oh, okay. like say say Mizuki's driving one and Kaito's driving the other other and then like sean white and and kinjiro are in the third one you know and then it's not like they combine to form voltron but maybe they all become a single a fighter bigger, or, a bigger or maybe, spaceship yeah or maybe kind of like the the fantastic four you know in the fantastic car they may all sort of pair off and you know they'll start as the one vehicle but then it's like look you know the the kaiju is shooting at us and then they like split up and you know it's like they're all in their separate fighter jets and stuff like that i'll say i'm gonna watch some more of this cool i like this enough that i'm gonna go watch some more yay i haven't yet but i will i've got two episodes of ghost to watch first (laughs) nice it's like screw you guys this was cool but i'm watching my shit first (laughs) well we're getting close to the end so i gotta watch that first but yeah oh no i yeah when when ghost is over i might go watch watch some of this because this was pretty cool i will say though because of the filming style i thought it was a little older than what it was. I did too, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, I, I feel that way a lot when, when people, like, either revisit or they're introduced to things for the first time. Because I, I remember when we were watching, like, Die Rangers, you know, like, I, I felt like the same thing where we we're kind of like, oh, this was shot in the 90s, but we all kind of were thinking of it as... Like this must have taken place in the eighties. Do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. weird notion. And even even when I revisit it, like I kind of get confused on the timelines because I know this was you know filmed and released in in two thousand five. So in in my head, I'm kind of like, well, this is long after like Ultraman Nexus, but Ultraman Nexus 
seems a bit more to, to have more of a modern flavor to it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Whereas this, like that, that's kind of, I guess why I prefaced it with, this is kind of a, you know, it, it does have a very strong vibe of traditionalism in terms of the Ultraman franchise. Like it doesn't try to rock, you know, it, it, there are certain episodes maybe that, that try to rock the boat a little bit, but for the most part, I mean, it's pretty, it, it, like it's a throwback show. Yeah, or, or at the very least, it's 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 fairly loyal or or stringent to the formula that the franchise sets up. They don't they don't try to go off the train tracks too much, you know. In, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the only thing that they said during the entire episode that let me knew that it was relatively current as far as like you know the last ten years or so, and I was I was about right. It's about ten years old, over ten years old. Is at one point they do mention a GPS tracker, and I'm like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. that's in the two thousands. That's that's the only thing they said that I was like, oh, okay, this is a, this, this wasn't 1993. <laughs> and then while, while you guys were talking, I was desperately trying to figure out this guy's name too because we were talking about Sean White, and it should be like totally obvious. But the the other guy besides Don Fry, sorry guys, I had to look it up. But the other guy I was thinking of was Nick Adams from Invasion of Astro Monster. So like again, there there's another example of hey, it's an all Japanese cast and a you know, basically a famous white movie star, you know, kind of, for lack of a better <laughs> You know what I mean? Like this blonde-haired, good-looking guy who is engaged to, you know, a beautiful Japanese lady and all this kind of stuff in the in the backstory of, you know, Godzilla and, you know, Ghidorah beating the fucking hell out of each other, basically. You know, like that kind of thing. So, so like, I, I, I think maybe, you know, Sean White is in that, that long line of, of well, the not-so-long line of, Caucasian actors who are, you know, randomly appearing in, in Japanese productions, you know, like, you know, it's like Sean White, Nick Adams and Don Fry or the, you know, they're, they all seem to go hand in hand. Maybe there's a, a whole lot more that I'm missing, but those are the three guys that I, I think of immediately. And I just wanted to mention that for this show. Well, I mean, you know, does that whole, they always, they always talk about Hollywood. What is it? Diversity. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of cool that it works both ways. It's like, you know, I mean, no one would bat an eye if it was an all-Japanese cast and a Japanese TV show that is filmed in Japan. But, you know, I mean, if you throw a white guy in there, it's kind of like, you know, it's not important, it's not, you know, a huge deal, but it's kind of like, hey, look, there's a white guy. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you, you, can, you can sort of try to make the connection that, you know, Dash is a multinational organization, so just by dropping that, that small bit, you know, that, that one character in there, you can kind of go, oh, there are, you know, obviously he transferred or, you know, was from a, another division of Dash. Do you know what I mean? Like, there, it's like there are Dashes yeah. all across the globe, you know, or something like that. So so there's that notion as well. You're but, up in your yeah. G.I. Joe cred right there, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. But no, I'm 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 kind of super happy that you guys enjoyed it and and want to check out more. And and if anybody listening wants to check out more, I will tell the listeners what I I told you gentlemen on how to watch this. And the easiest way to watch it is to go out to Crunchyroll, and Crunchyroll has the licensed the entire you know, 40-odd 
episodes of Ultra Man Max there, along with like tons of other Ultraman shows as well that are all licensed, which is cool. I mean, I, I, I do remember talking with Luke Giaconetti about it, where it felt like for a while there, it was like every other day you were like, oh, there's another one. You know, like basically it seemed like every day there was something in the news about, you know, some new Ultraman show being licensed to appear on Crunchyroll. So, I mean, if, you, if you're wanting to dip your toe into Ultraman and, and you're not sure where to start and all that kind of good stuff, you know, like much like common writer maybe pick something that looks cool to you and start from the first episode or whatever but if this sounded kind of fun to you and you were kind of on the fence like ultraman max is there so you can you can definitely check it out and everything and crunchy roll will be waiting for that check you're never going to send us <laughs> nice all right well i i think <laughs> i mean unless unless you guys have any other final thoughts on either ghost or ultraman max i think this will wrap up our whole Christmas episode for Toku Thursdays, and, and it's actually going to be rounding off our entire month for Christmas month here on Fanhole's podcast. Actually, want to be rounding it. off for a whole year? <laughs> You're going to miss Christmas month? A uh, year of Christmas month. <laughs> oh, okay. Fanhole's Christmas month. I thought you were talking about the Fanhole's. I was like, oh, crap, are we dying? <laughs> it is a... Is a is a mysterious creature, a uh, beautiful white bird of light, gonna fade us away from existence forever? Because Tony was hell bent on capturing it with his little device. Pokemon Go. Nice, nice. I heard the beer. I heard the bird would give me free beer if I caught it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right. Well, I I guess that'll take us out. If you guys have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can, of course, reach us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are, of course, on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We are on Stitcher Radio. We can be streamed there. We're on iTunes. We are on all kinds of social medias, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So, of course, we appreciate all the likes and feedback and all that kind of good stuff. I will turn it over to John briefly. Do you want to give a shout out and let everybody know where they can find you and locate you out there on the interwebs? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Engineer Nerd. You can find me at my website, tvandfilmtoys.com. We do reviews over there, me and my buddy Eric's. And then you can find me on the Action Figure Blues podcast at actionfigureblues.com. Yay! Best, best toy podcast ever. Aww. So, yeah, no, it's awesome. So, so I guess until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, wishing you all a very Merry Christmas and signing off. This is John, and I'm going to say Joya Nuel and Bonne Wow, you went all French on it. This is Tony, and in honor of our guest John being here, I am going to bestow upon him eyes open, dead set, go, 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 stole. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> Tony Tony's an expert.
guys, welcome back from that awesome commercial break, and my dog's going crazy. That was me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The other dog's like, sex toy, bro? <laughs> sex toy? <laughs> he always barks during, like, Common Rider stuff. He really likes Common Rider, I think. I think he likes, he hides his bones in, like, rooms and stuff, so he hides them out. So sometimes they might even be in this room. It's not like I notice. There's a milk bone behind my television set. It's like, why, how'd that get there? I don't know. Derek's trying to, like, talk to his dog, dog like, in a professional way. He's like, I'm recording right now, so you have to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Dog's like, hmm? <laughs> Pamela's like like L from the Ultraman. Like, I do not understand group conversation. <laughs> Let me walk over here. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Me and Derek were talking, and like, you know, he he picked it sight unseen because it was like scheduled for around Christmas, but the ghost episode is really not very Christmassy. <laughs> no. I rewatched it and I was like, huh. It's an odd episode to pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I double checked with Derek. I was like, did I watch the wrong episode? He's like, nope, that's the one. And according to the wiki, there's like December like 18th or something, which is like the closest to Christmas, so it is technically the Christmas episode. Yeah, it seems like very peripheral. There, I'm, I'm like, you've seen more episodes of Ghost than we have. I didn't mess up. There's not some really awesome Christmas episode after this one, is there? Um, not that I know of. Right. Okay, that's what I thought, but I thought I had done my due diligence, because, you know, my notes for that are pretty much, well, I thought this was going to be a Christmas episode, but it's very, very peripherally connected to Christmas. It was so far back, though, from where I am watching that I, like, was like, I don't remember some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I saw an image of the new Common Rider, Common Rider, like, X-Aid or something like that. Yeah, that gave me a seizure. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I found out? Everybody loves Gaim. Ha ha! No, we don't. <laughs> Is that Ray Romano's new show? Everybody, Everybody loves Guy. Oh, Deborah, I gotta get the new lock seed. Uh, Robert could be Baron. <laughs> Raymond. Kota, come on. <laughs> oh, I kind of want to see that show now. Everybody loves Coda. Here you go. <laughs> oh, man, I just wish you guys were farther in the show. <laughs> Killing me. You're like, I've got jokes. I've got good stuff. I do. I do. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I, it would, it would like kill Derek when we did Gaim because I'm. Well, it didn't kill Derek. It killed me because he would, he would like watch, you know, up to the point we were doing the show, and I'm like, oh yeah, well wait till you see this thing I can't talk about. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait till Vader tells Lukey's his. Special person. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, yeah, Coda in the next episode, he's going to totally 
resolve a plot point that is going to be established. She's <laughs> finally going to deliver that 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 dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that building he was trying to paint totally painted it. <laughs> he found a new lock seat. It's the um, paint lock seat. Weather beater arms. <laughs> Latex acrylic to the stage. <laughs> he could team up with uh, Forze with that brush foot that he had. <laughs> Do the trim. Just proving that, like, you know, as a common writer, you have options after you quit being a hero. Well, yeah. Why, why has this not happened in the superhero Tizen so far? It's, the world may never know. First Coda and Forza, oh, they're just painting houses. Really? They really like it. <laughs> That's two characters I can actually see getting along. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So ideal, idealistic and stuff, yeah. It's possible Forza could bump into Coda. Make him his friend. Oh, I mean, he, You're going to be he, my he friend. Ki- he kind of did in the Wizard Guy movie, but it was like five seconds. So. Yeah. 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 Doesn't really count. Forza just really basically ran up and was like, I'm everybody's friend. Oh! <laughs> There's a... A Forze Lockseed, not Lockseed, but Icon, and I, but I think Spectre's the one that gets it in one of the movies. Hmm. Huh. I'm about to say, I knew there was a Forza Lockseed, but yeah, that's kind of cool. I mean, yeah, the Icons are a cool thing. They, they do remind me of Gaim in that respect, that like, they, yeah, you know, got to catch them all and all that shit. They, they grew on me. They really did. I, I wasn't sold yeah. by the look of that driver in the beginning, but it, it grew on me, so... I think that's like one thing that yeah does bug me. It is a very large driver. It is big. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's unusual looking. You know, it's yeah. not. It, it's kind of creepy, really. Yeah, it's like got like molded like bleh, all over and stuff. <laughs> it looks like a sex toy. The cover looks like a sex toy. Okay, I'm there. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Go, 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 you know go! I hate to say this, John, but since you're continuously recording, that's totally going to be somewhere in this episode. <laughs> nah, I'm fine with that. I've said worse on AFB. Okay. 